This podcast was first broadcast on 92.6 FM Radio Verulam. Go to radioverulam.com to find more Environment Matters podcasts and, if you enjoy what we do, to find out how you can support the station, which is run entirely by volunteers. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Welcome to Environment Matters with me, Amanda Yorworth. Environment Matters is the show that brings you news on issues of sustainability and the environment from around St Albans and from further afield. Now, if I'm sounding quite excited, it's not often that the environment makes the headlines every day for a fortnight. But the COP26 Climate Summit in Glasgow has certainly achieved that. And that's the theme for this week's Environment Matters. Later, we're going to hear from local people who are close to the coalface up in Glasgow. But first, if you were in St Albans on Saturday lunchtime, you will have seen local people joining in the COP26 Day of Climate Action here in St Albans. St Albans Friends of the Earth organised the event, which was supported by many local groups, including environmental groups, local churches, wildlife groups, schools, political parties... A crowd of around 400 people gathered near the arena and marched through St Albans for speeches in the closed high street near the clock tower. Now, speakers included Heidi Carruthers of Wilder St Albans, a speech prepared by Hearts University climate scientist Dr Phil Porter and St Albans MP Daisy Cooper. Dr Porter gave details of the climate damage that he sees in his work. He said, during my 28-year career as a glacier scientist, I've been privileged to work in some of the world's most beautiful and remote places. This privilege comes with an alarming reality, however, as I witness firsthand the rapid and accelerating changes in our glaciated regions that will ultimately come to affect us all. From the Himalaya to the high Arctic, the story is the same and is one of rapid and accelerating change. Now, he called on urgent action on climate change, saying we must accelerate work and our efforts and refuse to accept business as usual from our elected representatives. Also speaking was Heidi Carruthers of the Hearts and Middlesex Wildlife Trust and she explained how the natural world has been impacted by climate change and asked us all today to think global and act local and appeal for everyone to help. She said we can all make lifestyle changes to reduce our carbon footprint but also help local wildlife by making our own patches just that little bit wilder. Every act really does make a difference she said. Now, St Albans MP Daisy Cooper quoted Greta Thunberg accusing the COP26 climate change talks of being more blah, blah, blah. And she stirred the crowds in St Albans into chants of there's no planet B. So that was the COP26 day of climate action here in St Albans. But St Albans people, including from St Albans Greenpeace, also gathered for the climate march down in London, joining the the throngs in Trafalgar Square. And up in Glasgow, there are many local people, including Stephen Marcus, who we heard from here on Environment Matters right at the start of the Camino to Cop Walk in which he took part, and Catherine Ross, a trustee for Sustainable St Albans. Catherine spoke to me last Wednesday to give us her impression of what's going on there. Catherine, thank you so much for taking the time um, out of what must be a pretty busy schedule up there to to chat to us. So what does it feel like to be in Glasgow at the minute? 
Oh, thank you for having me on. It's an absolute pleasure. And, and I should say first, I'm sorry if there's any background noise. I'm in the green zone. Uh, so there's quite a bit going on behind me, but hopefully you'll be able to hear me clearly. Uh, it feels it feels really exciting to be here. I have to say it feels like something very big and very important is, is happening. And I'm on the very edges of it. Um, and that feels, it, it feels good. It feels important to be here and be part of it. Okay. And have you seen any of the important people there? Have you seen any world leaders? Have you seen any of the important protesters, people like Greta Thunberg, perhaps? Uh, yes. So anyone listening who thinks I'm rubbing shoulders with Joe Biden, I'm afraid that's not true at all. All of the world leaders are in the blue zone, and that's a completely separate area. Um, I'm with the I'm with the the many thousands uh, on the edges of that in the, in the green zone and in the in the fringe events. Um, I have seen some burly looking security guards, and I have seen one very flashy motorcade go past. But other than that, I'm not anywhere near where the world leaders go. Okay, so you've mentioned these different zones, the green zone, the blue zone. Can you just tell us about those? So there's three completely different areas really going on in Glasgow at the moment. There's the blue zone, there's the green zone and there's the fringe. So the blue zone, that's where the world leaders are. That's where the negotiations are happening. Um, I'm told that even within the blue zone, there are three different levels. And there's one level which is only, only the world leaders. There's one which is the world leaders plus their negotiating teams and some approved observers. And then down on the ground floor, there's kind of uh, stands for each country where people can mingle and and uh, be given uh, facts and figures about that country. And um, then there's the the green zone which is what I'm in at the moment and the green zone is a, is a public area which members of the public could apply for tickets for it's like a really big expo so every day there are events going on in different venues around the green zone building and there are stalls uh, where people are giving out leaflets and engaging with the public I've seen school groups going past um, and then there's the fringe which is there are hundreds of events going on all around Glasgow a lot of those are by civic society for civic society so charities NGOs um, and one of the, the one of the real things I've been hearing a lot is about um, that this this was meant to be the most inclusive COP ever, but that that hasn't really happened. A combination of maybe how it's been organised and COVID has meant that the blue zone is it's very tightly managed. The green zone is fairly tightly managed. So a lot of where you're hearing the voices of underrepresented people, indigenous voices, uh, young people, uh, um, people from the global south, people from uh, raising issues around climate justice and climate poverty, a lot of that is in the fringe, um, although some of it I have been hearing today in the green zone. Okay. And there's thousands of people in Glasgow at the moment. Obviously, many of those are involved with the, the, the crucial Blue Zone talks. But, but what is everybody else actually doing? What, what has, has brought them there? Yeah, so, so some of those people are Blue Zone. Uh, and they're in the negotiating teams. They're in the country teams. So each country will have brought over a number of people that, and they'll be over in the blue zone. Then a lot of people are here engaging in the green zone. Um, so the general public could apply for tickets. And there's, it's just a very busy, buzzing area with people going to. So today I've been to, to three different talks. Uh, one was about um, 
climate justice and gender and how we can make sure that grassroots climate finance, especially in the global south, is reaching women and girls. Um, the second one was about how we can make our money matter here in the West, where we've got savings and investments and pensions, how we can be using our money for good. And then the third was um, a faith-led event, an interfaith event with people from all different faith communities talking about what uh, the environment, uh, why is it central to their faith and the action that they're taking because of it. So that's just, but you get the impression there's a lot going on here. It's all themed around the environment and uh, it's people coming to learn and meet and, and mingle. Right. The other, okay. the other thing, the other thing that's happening a lot is, of course, because none of us in the environmental field have been able to meet each other for eighteen months. So a lot of people actually are gathering in Glasgow and and just having meetings and being glad to see each other uh, in the flesh rather than Zoom meetings that we've been doing for eighteen months. Indeed. Well, I, you know, I can see from the expression on your face that you're feeling pr- pretty delighted about that change. It must be really quite exciting there. So what's the atmosphere like? There's all those people. Is there a feeling of solidarity, of, of pulling together, of giving the climate the priority it needs? So I, ha- I haven't been in the blue zone. I don't know how it feels in there. I don't know whether the negotiating teams would feel that things were going well. I would say here in the green zone, there's a, everyone that you hear from is so committed, so committed to taking action. Um, It's at the beginning of the fortnight. There's a degree of hope at the moment. Uh, You know, ask me again at the end of the fortnight. There's a frustration that that some of the more marginalized voices and issues around climate justice and issues around loss and damage perhaps aren't getting the same profile that you would hope for in the blue zone. But like I say, I haven't been in there, so I don't I don't know. I don't know how it is in there. Okay. Now, I'm aware that by the time this gets aired, things could well have moved on. But just where we're talking here now, what's the feeling about the progress that's being made? Uh, It's early days. I would say so far there's been, it's clearly been very carefully staged, managed to have one really productive and positive statement at least each day so far. Those things will have been prearranged um, they are really good. They are really positive. Uh, so we've had the statement on deforestation. We've had the statement on reducing methane. So 100 nations signing up to cut methane by 30%. We've had the Glasgow Breakthrough Plan, uh, which is uh, 40 world leaders signing up to accelerating uh, technological changes around steel and transport, power, agriculture and hydrogen. We're expecting a big finance announcement today. All of those are good things. What we won't know for days to come really is whether Glasgow manages to seriously move forward the commitments which were made in Paris to trying to keep global heating uh, below two degrees and ideally keeping it to that all important 1.5 degrees. It's just too early to tell. Okay, well, we'll be keeping our fingers crossed here. I assume that's what you'll be doing up there in Glasgow as well, Catherine. Firmly crossed. Indeed. Thank you very much for taking the time to talk to us. It's an absolute pleasure. Thanks. I was talking there to Catherine Ross. And to see more of Catherine's impressions from Glasgow, she's tweeting for Sustainable St Albans with the hashtag postcardfromcop. Now to Stephen Marcus. His journey to Glasgow was on foot as part of the Camino to Cop. I started by asking him if it was a relief to arrive in Glasgow. After all, it is a very, very long way to walk. It, it is, but 
it's been an amazing experience. I mean, you know, there have been challenging times, but mostly it's been pleasurable. And, and by the end, we had got to know each other extremely well. And there's an intimacy by, you know, by sharing floor space for you know, many weeks and dealing with difficulties together that is, is very special. So overall, it's, it has been a joyful experience. And I think that's most people would say the same. You must have made some lifelong friends on this journey. Yes, I, I hope so. And I, I, I think that you know, we're, we're aware that what we've formed is something that, you know, we're thinking about how we can use it in the future. But it, it, it's, it's been a very special bond and, you know, we're keen to, to think of ways that we can use it in the future. So, Stephen, what kind of reception did you get along the way? Yeah, I mean, I would say we had almost universally positive reactions to us as the Camino to Cop. People bibbed their approval, people waved, people were really pleased to see us as we walked up the, the, the country. And yeah, it, it was really lovely to be part of, a, a, part of an action that had you know, such positive reactions from, you know, from the general public. That does sound fantastic. So you called your journey uh, Camino to Cop. Did it feel like a pilgrimage at all? Did it feel like a pilgrimage? Mm. Yes. I mean, I'm not that I've been on any, any pilgrimages before, but, there, you know, we had silence. Normally, at some part of the day, we had silence. And that, you know, that, that was very, I, I really enjoyed those silences. And sometimes we were encouraged to be aware of what our purpose was when we were doing that. And other times we were encouraged to get in touch with nature around us and to listen to our own bodies as well. And that, yeah, so I, I particularly enjoyed those moments. But, you know, we had prayers, in, including prayers that I offered. And so... It, it often did feel like a, a, a pilgrimage. It was a, a spiritual journey, not just a walk. So there's been all sorts of people making a special journey to COP, whether it's been um, people walking like yourself or cycling or travelling from around the world. Did you have a feeling that you were part of something bigger, something special? Yes, looking forward to meeting up with the pilgrims from other countries and on in fact you know on the penultimate night of our journey we did up with them um and yeah that was very special and then walking into glasgow we walked in with the march out of glasgow from spain and then you know while we were in glasgow green you know we saw other pilgrimages and yeah that felt really special to be part of something that was bigger than just us well, yes, that, that must have been amazing. So now that you're in Glasgow, what are you doing? We, we're, we're walking with the Coat of Hopes every morning to the Blue Zone, to the gates of the Blue Zone, where we um, are doing the Coat Song. And tomorrow we'll be inviting delegates and world leaders, whoever is coming through the gates of the Blue Zone, to try on the Coat of Hopes. Stephen, could you just tell us what the Coat of Hopes is? Sure, the, the Coat of Hopes... Um, is a coat designed uh, by Barbara Keel, who's an artist, and it has patches sewn on from areas throughout the country, including St Albans, and the, the, it makes an a, amazing coat, and it's something that people have tried on, you know, from uh, MPs to builders to children. That does sound amazing, actually. I look forward to seeing a picture of that. 
So it sounds like this whole experience might have changed the way that you perhaps think about the climate, think about campaigning. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Um, I, 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 I have found it certainly a joyful experience. And I think, um, I'm not, I, I don't know whether it would be possible to do this. Somebody was saying that the next uh, COP is in Egypt. So we were thinking, oh, might that be possible to walk all the way to, to Egypt? But certainly we're thinking that, you know, walking and, and enjoying a simpler life is something that would be beneficial to, 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 to lots of people, and including Extinction Rebellion groups. But, you know, people in general, we've shown that we can live a simple life and still really enjoy it, even though we have very few possessions. That sounds like a really strong message for all of us, Stephen. And if the leaders at COP don't produce the agreement that the world needs? We'll carry on doing what we need to do, whatever happens. Stephen, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. You're welcome. Thank you, Amanda. I was talking there to Stephen Marcus. Now, I can also give you an update on 70-year-old Pushpanath Krishnamurthy, who we heard from here on Environment Matters a few weeks ago. He undertook a solo walk to Glasgow, asking for climate justice and meeting young people along the way, pausing here in St Albans to connect with local Oxfam supporters. His journey was hampered by the horrendous downpours in Cumbria and the borders, but he battled through and arrived in Glasgow, where he is now sporting a kilt and undertaking numerous press interviews, sharing his message of climate justice with people both in this country and in his country of birth, India. If you're tuning in on Sunday, then don't forget the Our Planet, Our Future COP26 open mic night. Details on the Sustainable St Albans website. I'll be back at the same time next week, but until then, thank you for listening.